Welcome to Inspiring Progressive Female Entrepreneurs, a podcast mini-series that seeks to empower and support women who are on the journey of growing and scaling their business. We'll speak with inspiring women about their stories and get practical advice from entrepreneurs who've been there before. This podcast has been created in partnership with Albright. Thank you for joining us. My name is Eugenia Prattley, and I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by Jasmine Crow Houston from Gooda. We're lucky to have Jasmine share with us her personal experience about her journey into entrepreneurship, but how she came up with an incredibly unique solution to a problem that is probably shouldn't be there in society, to be honest. It's a problem that doesn't need to exist, yet it does. So she's went on to create a company called Gooda, which is a dynamic platform with a mission to end waste, fight hunger and feed communities. They have a national network across the US and they found a solution by harnessing the power of logistics and tech, which I think is a very unexpected solution to help reduce food waste. Jasmine, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So before I get started, I just want to hear a little bit more about your story. Can you talk to us about what is Gooder and how did it begin? Yeah, so Gooder is a sustainable waste diversion company. We work with large-scale businesses and help them keep all of their food out of landfill. It's a very organic start for me. I previously led a consultancy where I basically worked with celebrities to help them define their giving blueprint and how they were going to use their star power for good. And I was doing that for about eight years. And I said to one of my clients one day, the people that are standing in line for a turkey in November are hungry in April too. This is not Mm. just a one time a year kind of opportunity to give back. And I would say that My clients were mostly athletes and entertainers. And so that was really their goal is to continue doing that. And when I drove through downtown Atlanta one day after I had just moved here, I just saw hundreds of people experiencing homelessness and it really pulled on my heartstrings. And I thought, this is what you've been talking about. Here's an opportunity for you to do something. And so I started feeding people that were living on the streets out of my kitchen back in 2013. And I was doing that for about three and a half years. And a video from one of my pop-up restaurants actually went viral on Facebook. And so I woke up one morning just to millions of friend requests and comments. And as I was reading through, a lot of people were saying, this is amazing who donated the food. And the truth was nobody. I was couponing, price matching, taking five, $10 donations and figuring out a way to feed 500 people. And so when I saw those questions, I was like, you know what, I should get this food donated. And like a lot of people, I went to Google and I searched how to get food donations, what happens to extra food at the end of the night from businesses. And I fell into this really big rabbit hole around food waste and just became really upset uh, learning how much food goes to waste, not only in this country, but all across the world. And that was really the impetus to get Gooder started. What really struck me is is number one, the scale of the problem. Point number two was this actually isn't a problem that needs to exist because the problem that you discovered isn't that there's a lack of food. It's that we're not able to get it to people. How do you then take that step to going, actually, this is a logistics problem. I think what I saw is to what your point is saying, it's not a scarcity issue because I think in the beginning, I used to think we need to grow more food There's Mm. not enough food to feed this growing population and 
that's like a big issue. And so learning that, in fact, we are wasting 40% of all the food that we produce. And so that was really the eye opener for me. And I said, hey, this is a logistics problem. If this food is going to waste at a restaurant at the end of the night, it's all about someone getting there to pick it up and giving it to somebody in need. You found the perfect answer to this incredibly awful problem. What did you do then? I think I started mind mapping what the business could look like. I think that was like Mm. the first thing for me. Okay, how would this work? And just literally just writing notes. Like I would pick up the food from the business. I would get it to the nonprofits. I would need a driver to do that. I wasn't a technical founder. So of course I couldn't code anything that I was thinking of. So I spent a lot of time entering hackathons and going to office hours and meeting with engineers and just trying to get all of the details to what this business could be mapped out. And I started talking to people about it and people were saying like, this is crazy. No one's ever going to pay for that. That will never work. And so I was like, God, they probably are right. This may not work for me. And from there, I started thinking like, all right, now I need to figure out a way to actually like make money from this business. What would this look like? And I started to, again, go back and look at the fact that waste companies were basically making money now. That's the thing I think in business, anytime you're trying to solve a problem and you really look and see, okay, how is it being solved now? And how Mm. it was being solved is businesses were paying these waste companies to take perfectly good food and just throw it in the landfill all the while passing thousands of people on the way to that landfill that, that need perfectly good food. And so I think that was it, just learning as much as I can. I went to school on YouTube. I attended webinars. I really put myself out there as someone who was trying to learn. How did you start selling the story of Gooder and how did you get other people to come on this journey with you? Because to me, if I was an investor, I'd be like, let me write you a check, but I'm not. And I'm sure not everybody said that. So if you don't mind sharing, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. And it's totally, I would say it's not as easy as it seems. I think people just think, oh my God, this has been this rocket ship and everyone's Mm. investing and it's been so easy. And ironically, it really has been very hard. The truth was a lot of investors don't understand hunger and you've been hungry. And so when I was going in and saying, hey, in America alone, 42 million people are going hungry. We're wasting 80 billion pounds of food. Like these problems can solve each other. It just didn't resonate with them. And so what I had to really focus on doing is showing the business opportunity for this business. This is why it makes sense. This is how it's going to make money. This is where the market is starting to trend to. And then I think people started to believe and say, okay, this makes a lot of sense now, but it took that time. So how far into your journey of Gooder did you think, okay, I need to get some investors on board? Was that sort of in the plan from the very beginning or was that something that you arrived at on the journey? I don't think it was a plan from the very beginning. I don't think I knew how much it was going to cost to build technology. Once I started getting that together, I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to need money to do this. And because I was so involved in like the hackathons and like going to these different events and office hours and meeting people and learning from other founders who had started companies before me, it was like, okay, this is going to be a path that you could take Mm. to get funding. 
I was looking at grants. I was trying to look at the National Science Foundation, just all these different opportunities. And I was like, wow, like this is going to take a long time. I didn't have any real proof of like how this was going to work. So I thought, hey, venture capital could be an opportunity for me. And, and I started looking into it. I th- that's a perfect lead into my next question, which is how did you find the right people to join Gooder? How did you start that process of going, okay, I'm going to need investors. I'm going to start making contact. I started to get into again, these accelerator programs, incubator programs. And from there, they would make introductions to investors. Uh, And so that is what I did. And it's a path that I recommend early on. I do feel like a lot of times female founders, especially founders of color, can sometimes be over-mentored and underfunded. And so you want to be mindful of like how many accelerators, how many programs you get into, But there are some who their sole purpose is to make sure that you get funded. And so they want to introduce you because they want you to be successful because it makes them look be successful. And they also take a small percentage of equity in your company. So they want you to earn something. So that was my path to like meeting investors. That's a really great answer. And I think it's a really good tip for people who want to, to go down that path is to try to get to into these programs and get those warm introductions, or if not face-to-face meetings where possible. How do you manage the relationship with your investors once they're on board? It, it, in some circumstances, it can really change the dynamic of the business and leadership and the direction. How have you been able to manage those relationships? I think it's just about, for me, I constantly write investor updates. I think that's like a big thing for me. So I'm always writing investor updates. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm staying in contact with my investors. And I send these updates like once a quarter, but I always put in all of my investor updates at the end. Hey, if you want to meet with me, let's chat. And the truth is some investors are more responsive than others. Some investors are a bit more invested than other investors. And so for me, I am making myself available to the investors that want to help. And so there are ways that I nurture those relationships. And I know that no matter what happens with good or having an investor relationships is important because my little sister wants to start a business. I meet people all the time that are starting businesses. So I want to be able to refer them to people. You said that you don't have a tech background, so you had to start learning those skills. How did you find the right people to bring on to your team and build this business with? So early on, I think I did what everybody did. I hired who was the low-hanging fruit, the people that were around me, the friends, the people that I felt like I knew. And there were some mistakes there. I definitely hired some people that and kept them on, I would say, a little longer than I should have. And you live and you learn. And I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of early business owners like myself probably do. And it's just something that we shouldn't do. Like to the extent that you can spend time to try and find the best people. One of the questions I used to always ask was, why does hunger matter to you? Why does this, why do you care about this problem? And the answers were always so great. They were always just around the problem, but from a different lens. That is so powerful. So Gooder is, to me, as an outsider, complete stranger, makes 100% sense. To me, it's a no-brainer. You started in Atlanta, 
how did you begin that journey? Yeah. So one of our first ever customers in that was the Atlanta Public School District, where they had just made lunch free and breakfast free for all 55,000 of their students. And oh, wow. so we were now delivering their meals to them while they were learning virtually. So we really reverse engineered our model. Instead of going from business that was going to waste food, we went from business that was preparing food for the purpose of getting it to people in need. And so that still exists today. We have pop-up grocery stores where we work with a lot of different brand partners, everyone from Amazon to the NBA, and we go into food deserts and set up these free grocery stores, very similar to like my pop-up restaurants back in the day, and allow families to come and get a week's worth of groceries for free, We're sponsored by our partners, and we just do so much around that. So it's been a really fun journey to see us get to this point. That is really fantastic. We now know that you're in many cities across America. How did you begin to scale and expand your locations? Did you have a strategy to it? And do you have any advice for people beginning that journey? Yeah, I do have a lot of advice. I think it's about trying to use the networks that you have so that you could grow where you want to go. And so for me, I started to do two things. One, I knew I was trying to solve hunger. I also knew I was trying to solve food waste. So there are two things that were really clear to me. The bigger the city, the more businesses, the more potential waste is that we made, we created partnerships with companies like IHG Hotel Group mm. uh, that has, I think now 16 or 18 different hotel brands under them. So from international- wow hotel, internet, intercontinental to Kempton Hotel Group, all these different hotel brands under them. So we were able to scale with them and build into some of their different cities and some of their own properties. And so that was definitely one, one way to do it. Where's the ceiling for Gouda? Could it go international? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think we get so many messages and there's a lot of famine and a lot of need. One of our big food service customers is in, in Europe and they're already asking us like, hey, how can you get us, how can we get you to Europe? So yeah, I think we will be international one day soon. Jasmine, thank you so much. We truly appreciate your time today. It's been absolutely phenomenal and a huge fan of your work, as I think you can tell. And we hope you got to learn a little bit of you know, some of Jasmine's secrets to her success and some, some of the lessons that, that she's been able to learn and pay forward along the way. So thank you so much. You've been listening to Inspiring Progressive Female Entrepreneurs, HSBC's podcast mini-series dedicated to supporting women on the path of growing and scaling their own businesses. 